penultimate edition of Tim and Sid on this Thursday, February 25th, bleeping 2021. I say the same about 2020. I to both. <laughs> Tim McAuliffe, Sid Sixero, we've been doing this in one form or another for like 17 years. Correct. By the way, we... We might not get to this, but my favorite story of the day is Russell Wilson's agent telling Adam Schefter, we haven't asked for a trade, but if we just, were... Just so you know. We're really happy Cowboy here. Cowboys, Saints, Raiders, and uh, Bears is where yeah, we would yeah, like yeah, to yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Texans. <laughs> throw, just throw <laughs> the Texans in there. Why not? Everyone you know, I'm it. not asking for a free car lease, but if Ford, Ferrari... Lamborghini, Audi, Volvo are listening. Dodge. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hijack it. Your brother no, got that's, me going. T- that is a Tim. great line. Oh, oh my, my God. God. So I, I'm seeing McAuliffe off air just briefly before we come up. Alex Xero on Sportsnet 590, the fan, lays the Russell Wilson story. A grin came across McAuliffe's <laughs> face. Like I have never seen, and it's, Such, it's, it's why a good do we point. put up with this horse bleep in like this is great content? It's great, there's no, easy, cheap but there's content. no accountability. Like, what the hell are we talking well, about? Well, the accountability here? is the agent. The agent's accountable, is he not? I think the agent's a little accountable. No, but we know it's horse bleep, and we know he wants out if he's already giving teams. We haven't asked for a trade, but how about the Cowboys, Saints, and Bears? Tim, we all know, we all know, oh, GMC, I'll take a GMC card too. Uh, we all know the best way to handle trade requests is publicly throw it out there first, then talk to the team after. We all know that's how it works in 2021 and 2020 and in years previous, so I see nothing wrong with it. But him wanting to leave that community, hold on, man. Like, that's not, that's not a normal trade request to me. Like, wow. That's well, that's a, why the B- that is stunning. That's why the BS is surrounding it, right? Because you got to tippy-toe through it. But I'm just sick of the BS in 2021. Anyways, coming up, we'll be joined by Blue Jays President Mark Shapiro, also the CEO. Um, We'll talk about Vladdy's weight loss. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about Bo Bichette, maybe some pressure because of what Fernando Tatis did. We'll also talk about Mark's passion project in Dunedin, which was just officially unveiled within the last hour. It looks like it looks like a candy store for baseball players in Dunedin, the way they've set that up now for player development. Uh, so we'll talk to them about that in about uh, 20 minutes from now. Also, Timmy, plenty of basketball on the way. We'll do some hockey as well. We'll talk about how Austin Matthews' wrist has been jacked up most of the season. No one really knew about The stats really didn't bear that out, you know, when you well, watched Austin Matthews either, play. Right? Yeah. Uh, the 18 goals in 18 games was a clear indicator his wrist was, was bothering him. So we'll talk a bit of hockey. And uh, basketball as well. Kendrick Perkins will be joining us. Um, Michael Grange will be joining us a little later on. But let's begin with the Raptors, Timmy. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kyle Lowry, for a lot of reasons, over the last 24 hours or so, is, uh, has been in the news. Yeah, well, the Raptors dropped their second game in as many nights. Uh, but that seemed to be the secondary story this morning 
and beyond. Because Kyle Lowry missed, uh, returned after missing four games, uh, and he led the Raptors with 24 points. But the report in the Philadelphia Inquirer kind of hijacked everything. For those who haven't seen it, it suggests that Lowry would welcome a trade to his hometown Sixers. Now, we have said all along that it would be up to Lowry if he wanted to be traded, and the story says around the same thing. What are the chances he's dealt before the March 25th trade deadline? Strong. Strong, man. This is this is a hometown paper with a hometown scoop about a hometown guy that didn't come from nowhere. That didn't come from sources who don't know what's going on. Um, now, again, Miami's mentioned in this story today in the Philadelphia Inquirer. The Clippers, Clippers kind of eternally, it feels like, have always been in the ether when it yeah. comes to Kyle Lowry. I think you and I can both agree on that, Tim. But this is this is a situation where, and I think you and I went down this road a little bit when it came to ra- to the Raptors and Kyle. This this split is delicate, right? Financially, it's not complicated and it's not hard to figure out. You have an expiring contract, thirty million. He's probably not getting thirty mil- million for you again next year, despite the fact he's probably he's, he's reportedly looking for that. So this, this makes a lot of sense. He's an asset that is going to leave. You want some assets coming back. But the Raptors, if, if they, and it, and it was it definitely phrased this way in the article, if they want to go down the road of, which you and I have gone down a couple of times, Tim, the road of Kyle deserves this. Kyle is the greatest Raptor of all time. Kyle has a chip. This Raptors team doesn't get a chip without Kyle. Yada, yada, yada. If you want to wrap it around the goodwill of that, this becomes an easier deal to swallow, never mind the fact the Raptors are, what, fifth in the Eastern Conference? Because there are going to be fans, regardless of how this plays out, that will not be happy with the Raptors. Because there are sports fans in this country who believe that uh, the business of basketball does not exist and all Raptors should always be Raptors always. And we all know that's that. not how it works. So it's not how it works, I think, but I get it. It's not how it works. I think the Raptors in this, in this narrative... And again, the goodwill could end and evaporate like a fart in the wind in a second because Kyle is a strong-headed individual. Masai is a strong-headed individual. Who knows? But um, it's the Raptors are very happy this is the talk. And Kyle has come back. He, he played well last night, man. Um, I, I, I don't see him staying. It, it's down to Kyle is what I'm trying to tell you. And if he wants this, I think the Raptors will give it to him. The Raptors aren't going to hand him for a second round pick to anybody. I don't think that's going to happen. But um, if, if Kyle wants to go, I think the Raptors will do everything in their power to yeah. make it happen to a point. To a point. I was going to ask you and ask the Timmons citizens if you think he should go. But even that doesn't matter as you take a gross sip of coffee. From <laughs> Please the don't tip- do that again. It was typical. That what was, are you talking about? No. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, Dina's gonna hate. Dina's gonna hate that. <laughs> oh my god. Anyways, that. yeah, you're gonna keep doing that. How many um, coffees are you gonna have every every morning? Great. That's a poll question. That's a great question. Let me see. Now you're just doing a few guys. 
There are people <laughs> eating dinner, man. That's Stop what, it. You, what you did. Do? That's not even close to what I did. I did that a way more delicate. Exactly I was like, I was a French did. cafe. French. Oh, well, the pamplemousse. Oh. <laughs> Any slurp is gross to me. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm just. Let me get back to this. I think four coffee. Four coffees is the answer. Maybe three and a half is the over under. The should they deal them is irrelevant because you're right. This is because of what happened with DeMar DeRozan, because this is the groat, the greatest Raptor of all time, because of the championship, because of Masai Ujiri, because of all of the culture pieces that they have put into place. Every single part of this deal will have to be right if they end up dealing Kyle Lowry. And whether they should deal him or not will be irrelevant in all this. And the money makes sense moving forward. The beauty of all of this, and I know there are Raptor fans that have hedged on this, and there are Raptor fans that have hummed and hawed about what this was going to be. I think what you've seen over the last, since the 2-8 and eight start, is that the three that the Raptors, the three foundational pieces that the Raptors have given money to, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, and Fred Van Vliet, are all pretty good. I don't know if he, Pascal is as good as some people were bigging him up to be, but I don't think jury's, he's as bad. Jury's still out. Jury's still out. He's not as bad as he was in the bubble, and people were making him out to be in the bubble or after. So somewhere in between and somewhere in between in the Eastern Conference as well, even without Kyle Lowry, they're a pretty good team, and they've maintained this cap flexibility that will allow them to do really interesting things with Kyle's money and the money that they were saving for Giannis Attentacompo. And let's be honest, you and I both are not convinced that Giannis is staying in Milwaukee. So however this breaks down and whatever happens, have Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster not aced this test to this point? Sorry, in terms of the end of the Kyle era or just the the cap space on the back end? All of it. All of it. The end of the Kyle era will be determined by Kyle. They won't get ripped for it by any knowledgeable fan because the knowledgeable fan will know that Kyle had a say in it. They will have the cap flexibility to do really nice things with the rest of this roster to surround three nice pieces that you know now are pretty nice pieces, even if you speculate on how good or bad Pascal Siakam is at his money. Yeah, all that. listen, all that money sitting there is nice. It's phenomenal. Uh, They're going to have options. Other teams will as well. Let's not act like the Raptors are the only team with space coming up, but um, they're in a good spot here. And and the and the bet the best thing, not the best thing, the cap space is the most important thing. But you mentioned Demar. How ugly was that internally? Like we don't we look back at that as they got their chip, they did what they had to do, and I was a mercenary about it as well. You got to get you got to get Kawhi Leonard. With all due respect to Demar's uh, loyalty, you got to get Kawhi. But don't tell me that didn't wound Masai. Don't tell me that didn't wound Bobby. Don't tell me that didn't wound. Obviously, it wounded Kyle. Everyone saw that from a different sphere. And if you have this rare opportunity to end Kyle's era completely differently, completely, with, res- with, 
with more with a bit more respect with with a bit more love for lack of another term in this business this basketball business as crazy as it is i think all three parties would take that in a second and tim the six the 16 and 0 without kyle stretch doesn't hurt either it doesn't don't think that doesn't play a little bit into maybe what we're hearing right now despite the fact they're fifth in the conference that we're even remotely talking about this rumor floating what i'm saying is i think it's all perfect it's all what the raptors wanted it to be yeah and yes for now and it could get screwed it could turn like you said like a fart in the wind and they could waste that cap space on a bad play a lot of things could go wrong but in this moment when the Raptors said no to Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka, it was because they wanted this cap flexibility and they wanted this opportunity, and they have it. And that's all I'm trying to say is that the way they played yeah. it, to this point, pretty damn good. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins just cleared waivers. Really? He is free to sign with any NBA team. Does that immediately make him a Laker? Well, considering they lost five of six with both Anthony Davis and Dennis Schroeder out, I know I know Dennis Schroeder isn't a Demarcus Cousins makeup. Um, I, I, he would be he would be a, the Lakers are at the top of the list right now because they they got their asses handed to them in Utah last night without Anthony Davis and Dennis Schroeder. So I think that's a Tim. That's a no brainer because that's what you do now in the NBA when you have a super team or a super twosome or whatever. Anyone who hits the waiver wire who's made a bucket in the last eight years is probably up to be signed by your organization, never mind the fact when you have injury issues. So I would I would agree that he is definitely in the Lakers uh periphery. So the Raptors, if you're if you're Bobby Webster, oh yeah, this you're is gonna, not gonna oh. this is not gonna this is not gonna be expensive, right? Like you at least no. have to figure out what what he where he's at, where's he at financially. What, take the temperature of the room. Don't tell me Fred doesn't have an opinion. That call has already been made to his agent. I you think guarantee so? you. Yeah, okay. you're not supposed to. <clears throat> not supposed uh, to do a lot of things with agents. <laughs> so, someone's heard from his agent and knows what he wants to do. And the Raptors probably know that. And it would be interesting for Boogie what role he wants to play. Like, is he Dwight Howard in L.A. last year? Yeah, he might is be. That, he it might was be. valuable. Or does he want to play a bigger role? Because I think he could play a bigger role in Toronto for whatever that is, but he would also want to know if Kyle Lowry's staying. My, my, uh, my, my, my hunch. It's my hunch. It's, it, it's a good would. hunch. Again, I think, I think, you, I think the, I don't want to speak for you on odds. Lakers are like a one-to-five favorite for me here, <laughs> especially with Anthony Davis out. But we'll see what uh, DeMarcus, DeMarcus Cousins is going to have some options. You would yeah, assume. He's a different dude. Yeah, very different dude. Very yeah. different. And he can play some defense. Uh, so that's the latest. Okay. DeMarcus Cousins, free agent. To By the continue. way, can we, before we move on from the basketball, and I know we're going to get to the Flames and the Leafs and uh, David Riddick, um, but shout out to Shea Gilgis Alexander and Lou Dort. What? Is that Canada's game? team in OKC? <laughs> I'm just saying the 42. From Gilgis Alexander, shout out Hamilton. And I don't know what it is about undrafted dudes from Montreal just tearing up the league right now, but the Lou Dort game winner in the corner, like just I both the stories are amazing. And I just had like it seems like if you're 
not a Raptors fan and you're a Canadian basketball fan, or if you're a Raptors fan, is this your Western Conference team because of the Canadians? I, I, I think it is. I was gonna I was gonna bring it up with Kendrick Perkins, who's gonna join us a little later. I'm sure he's got some love to give to those two Canadian kids. Yeah. Um, I think it is. I think this is the team you root for. And, and with Shea Gilgis Alexander, I know Dort got a lot of the, the run because of the shot he hit. But uh, Tim, correct me if I'm wrong. Shea Gilgis becomes the fourth Canadian to have a 40 point night in the NBA in the league's history. Andrew Wiggins, uh, Jamal Murray. Nash didn't do third. it, did he? Forgive yeah, me. Nash did it. I, yeah, Nash did, did it. Nash yeah, had Nash to do did it. it right? in a, he had a 48 in a playoff game. I right, remember that. Correct. Those, so that's the four. It's it's exclusive ass group, man. So that's uh, that. It's good getting that in, especially in a week where we've been talking so much Canada basketball on this show and this network. So what a game last night in OKC. That was awesome. Yeah, and Brad Stevens on the hot seat in Boston. That's a crazy. I, I think it's a little nuts, but we'll see what happens there. Brad Me Stevens, too. coach man. Uh, meanwhile, in the NHL, Leafs 2-1 winners over the Flames' lone game in the North last night. The much-maligned William Nylander <laughs> scored a goal to tie it on his knees in front of the net. Scrimble! 128 left, and then OT winner. I did the scramble thing, not the OT winner. Will that be enough to silence the critics? Is that the assembling of the IKEA that was on the front page of the Sun. Like, where are we well, on William Nylander after one two-goal game and a benching? Well, he, uh, you know, I don't want to go too far down that road, but he did put it together last night for two huge goals when they needed it the most. Hey, um, did I steal your line? I'm sorry. No, 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 no. That's, a far, that's as far as I want to take tea. it. No, that's Chemistry as as my ass. It. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's It's... It's funny because a lot of the a lot of the talk after the game, both to Willie and to like Sheldon Keefe and some other guys, Zach Hyman actually had some interesting things to say on this too. Um, is 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 William Nylander misunderstood? And you know what? He's not because he got benched last weekend. So I don't think he's misunderstood. I think people. I think I think there is equal parts understanding of Willie. I think there's enough love for Willie out there. And I think there's enough people who really haven't seen what they wanted to see out of him. Now keep in mind, this isn't an eight million dollar year player. Like I mean, there was there was the uproar of that contract at the time. Yeah, but I, I know, but it's not it's not like he's it's not like he's Jeff Skinner. You know what I mean? Like right. he's it's not the worst contract in hockey. Uh, started to pile on Jeff Skinner, but it happens. Um, I I think this this kid is still a complete enigma, and we don't know what the Leafs have here, and the Leafs don't know exactly what they have here. All they knew is they had to lock him up, or they felt like they had to lock him up. Um, so whatever criticism people have towards William Nylander, Tim. I understand it because the head coach last weekend kind of had some himself. And for those who want to praise him, the Anthony Stewies of the world and everyone on Twitter, I get that too. He is a, he's an analytics darling at times and he's got, a, and that finishing goal last night was sick. I get it. There's a, there's, there's a story to be written here. We don't know what the final few chapters are because he's still that young, but don't tell me he just completely shouldn't be criticized ever because that's idiotic. That's this idiotic. Is turned, this has turned into the you got to pick a side. For sure. Like, and it's For ridiculous. Sure. He's a talented player who doesn't show up enough. Like, what, is that yeah, not like. Can you say that? Can you say that one more time? Just say that one more time. William Last Nylander time. is a very talented mm -hmm. National Hockey League player who doesn't show up enough. A didn't that you don't have to write like a fifteen hundred word essay to get to that point. That's nope. the point. That's nope. the point. And so was and so was Phil Kessel, 
and he went and won two cups after you chased him out of town. So just be careful. Uh, I want to. I know we're, we were pressed for time because Mark Shapiro is going to join us and brag about this new facility in Dunedin. And judging by the pictures, he's got a right to. Um, David Riddick, unbelievable through the two games. And I think if you polled Flames fans and asked them, hey, three out of four points against Toronto, you good with that? All of them would have lined up and said yes, especially those given the way they had played uh, heading into it. But Riddick was really interesting because he had shut the Leafs down. He ended up stopping 71 of 73 over the two games. That's a 972 save percentage, yet he still sounded like this after the game. I mean, I don't care. That's why I'm in the net, uh, to help the guys out. And uh, that's that's my job. And that's I'm doing what I love. I'm playing hockey. And uh, what what else I can say than uh, what else? What else I can do than save the puck? I'm gonna be okay tomorrow. It's just, you know, I'm not feeling pretty, pretty, pretty awesome right now because we lost two one in overtime. But it is what it is, and uh, I'm gonna go through, and uh, I'm gonna be fine tomorrow. David Riddick cares, yeah, and I will always respect a guy who cares. Good on you, Dave. Seventy straight saves against the Leafs is pretty good. Regardless of the result, we're going to take a break. Mark Shapiro, Jay's president and CEO next here on Tim and Sid live on TV and radio. Tim and Sid goes to coast on Sportsnet. Sportsnet 590 the fan in Toronto. Kendrick Perkins, ESPN, going to join us in the last hour. And we are efforting to get Michael Grange on the show. There is some uh, interesting rumors uh, that Raptor fans are going to want to hear. Um, and they're not of the trade variety. So we'll keep it at that for now. Uh, but we will tease that Michael Grange may be joining us a little later on. Uh, Tim, as we welcome in Mark Shapiro here. Uh, and Mark, always great to talk to you. For, for the backstory on, on where we're going with this initially to everyone watching and listening is as, lo- as long as we've talked to Mark and every time he's joined us either in person or on the phone, uh, you would normally hear some reference to the player development complex that he has been <laughs> trying to finalize here. And it, it, his, his eyes would light up whenever he would bring it up in passing down through the years. Today, we got to see what this thing looks like, and it's on the Blue Jays socials. Go check it out. The video is unbelievable. Mark, congratulations on it. I didn't see anything about the calf, though. How are the fingers and fries? How is the food? <laughs> is the cafeteria also 22,000 square feet, like the weight room? Like, like just walk is, us through. Talk slow. Yeah. Talk slow. It's, food is a very important thing to me. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, the kitchen is pretty impressive and a lot of thought given to, uh, you know, not just, uh, not just the, the – the the ability to get food, but the type of food guys get might not be in the Tim and Sid training regimen, but uh, good good food nevertheless, and quite very accessible. So I thought you were going to say my eyes light up when I know it's the second to last show for Sid and the last time I'll have to talk to him after 5 p.m. You you are you get. Our final show is tomorrow. Your final show with me, sir, is today. So congratulations <laughs> yes, to you, Mark. it is. My, my yeah, final show after after the morning, anyway. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. true. That's true. Uh, Mark Shapiro. So I heard, I heard a little, little bit of a chuckle when Sid was describing what this complex is to you. Fair to call this a bit of a passion project for you? 
It, it is because I felt it was one of the biggest opportunities for the organization to move a step closer to championship, you know, sustainable championship organization. I felt like it was uh, an opportunity and a huge driver uh, to bring all of our players under one roof to shift from a spring only facility uh, to really move like to skip a generation. That's kind of what I've been saying. We went from last generation to next generation, skipping this generation. And, um, you know, we've gotten that feedback from our players, which has been great uh, to see them in it, to actually walk into it every day. Pretty pretty incredible moments, uh, you know, for me and, and a symbol of the commitment from ownership from the state of Florida, the city of Dunedin, the, the county here. So it's been a collective effort, certainly not one person's vision or plan, but uh, gratifying to be in here. And, and, I'm, and I'm really proud, as all our fans should be, of what this environment is. Jay's president and CEO, Mark Shapiro, here on Tim and Sit. Mark, from, from a tangible standpoint, like a day-to-day, what, what do you think the biggest thing is now with this new facility that you can do that you couldn't do when you first got to Dunedin? Yeah, I'll probably just give you a couple. One, you know, it, it we weren't under one roof, right? So having our minor leagues and our player development uh, be in the same place and under the same roof, there's certainly still some stratification from what it means to be a lower minor leaguer to an upper minor leaguer to a major league player. When you, you look online at the spaces, you'll see that. But we still have the opportunity for George Springer to model for Arelvis Martinez, a young minor league player, like what it, what it means to be, you know, have the work ethic, what it means to work in the batting cage, what it means to shag fly balls. And those things didn't happen. The, the casual interaction between a minor league coach and a major league coach, minor league strength coach and a major league strength coach, you know, we were a disconnected organization. So that's one. Two, the thought of how do we integrate as minor league baseball and player development and the performance areas have evolved, which you guys know um, it used to be just show and go, like show up, get ready for spring training, get in shape and go. Now we've got nutritionists, mental performance coaches, sports scientists, uh, physios, trainers, strength coaches. So the ability to kind of be thoughtful about how we integrate all those areas, how our players can best use the information, the coaching and the resources uh, and how space fits into all of that you know we we were really thoughtful and kind of looking at all the best facilities around the world uh, and then making sure that we'd stay true to the baseball to the toronto blue jays and we'd stay flexible for what the future holds you know for what next generation looks like as well uh we're just seeing pictures one i'm really glad that there's a barber shop there um that for me is a big thing <laughs> yes tim we put that in for you <laughs> thank you appreciate um, that you know, yeah. Yeah, if you examine whoever your future co-host is, you'll need to make sure that uh, <laughs> those know that for some reason, the follically challenged uh, segment of the population, these guys like to get a lot of haircuts and barber shops, <laughs> you know, they've all every place I've ever been, they get relegated to kind of a, and it literally was a chair and a temporary mirror in a back equipment room. But guys <laughs> always hang out in the barber shop and we're trying yeah. to create a space. They feel welcome and they want to be in. So that barber shop is, is really cool. And did, uh, did yeah, Ross and get in there? The last time I saw Ross, he had a mane. Did Ross get in there? <laughs> Unfortunately, the barber shop will be a post-COVID. It, it, it's right. there now. It's Understood. not in use right now. Understood. Yeah. yeah. I miss I miss the barbershop. I, I like you though have like a baseball playing son, and I take huge joy watching him play. But as I see these pictures, like just from 
from a baseball fan's perspective, like it just looks like yeah. a dream sequence for any baseball fan or player to walk into that facility and feel big time, no? Yeah, I mean, for a baseball player, it's like Disney World. You know, you've yeah. got everything you can possibly have, and it's a place you want to be. Uh, it fosters camaraderie. It fosters the team environment. Um, you know, it, it's taking space bricks and mortar and a building and saying, is it possible for a building to actually drive championship culture? Is it possible for a building to drive performance? And I, I think it, this building answers that as you're seeing, as you look at the pictures. And um, that's why I say it's meaningful to our fans, not just us, because it's part of the ingredients. Like what are the things that we can control that contribute to a championship environment? This is one of those things. Like if we don't, give the best facility possible for our players to train, to rehabilitate and to develop, then that's on us. You know, now we've checked that box. So we continue to think about how do we deliver that to our players and continue to improve upon it? What's the next step? Mark Shapiro, Jay's president and CEO here on Tim and Sid. Um, let, let's, let's go to your team now here uh, on the field, Mark. And, and I know, I know the Vladdy story the last couple of days with his weight has garnered a lot of discussion Bo Bichette, his availability this week was interesting. That garnered a lot of discussion. However, I, I thought Rowdy Telez's clip yesterday kind of got, kind of, kind of went under the radar. And uh, I, I, I want to play this clip. I know you probably heard it, Mark, but for those at home, this was Rowdy Telez yesterday during his media avail. I have rarely heard an individual as excited to begin a season <laughs> as Rowdy is. <laughs> We're going to run it now. We'll talk about it on the other side. World Series trophy, man. That's I think I honestly can sit here and say that's a realistic expe expectation. Confidence is unbelievable. You we you add the guys that we added, and there's no way you can and look at us and be like, oh, that's it's just the Blue Jays. It's we're a contender. I believe right out of the gates we are a contender. Again, that's Rowdy Tellez yesterday. Mark, does that does that attitude, does that excitement, is that square with what else you are seeing in the clubhouse and on the field? Yeah, but I think what is kind of amazing is when we were here last spring, before it was interrupted, um, yeah, it, it was, you know, kind of me, Ross, those of us trying to temper the, the confidence from our players, the, just the young players, you know, Bo, Kevin, Vladdy, Rowdy, Danny Jansen, you know, was pretty remarkable last year. And I think a lot of the success they had, you know, ahead of ahead of maybe the schedule that that we had thought we were on. Um, that's what we tried to build off of. You know, by adding in players like Marcus Semyon, George Springer, Kirby Yates. You know, we wanted to build off of the players' belief in each other, belief in their ability and their talent, and continue to move on that trajectory towards a sustainable championship team. One that every single time we leave spring training, players are saying what Rowdy's saying right there. Like we expect to win. Like that's what we expect. So it's a process, right? It's not one move. It's not one player. It's not even just this off season. It's going to be the next trade deadline and next off season. Uh, it's going to be the continued development of Austin Martin, you know, of Klopfenstein, of our other young players. And, you know, what you want to have is a machine where, you know, we are every single person that comes in here is committed towards, you know, a championship organization and bringing world championships to back to Canada. Like that's what we're focused on. That's what we're here to do. Um, that's what this facility is meant to provide. And that's what the players in that clubhouse are, are focused on. 
Mark Shapiro joining us here on Tim and Sid. Um, I know you're you're big on culture, and it's it's pretty obvious. And the culture of a clubhouse is such a tenuous uh, beast. Do you, Sid mentioned the Vladdy story and the walking around forty two pounds lighter. Do you think that was about accountability for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. this off season? I just. Yeah, I just think that's about maturity, you know, that, uh, you know, it's hard to believe he's 21 years old. It's hard to imagine that he's already, you know, gone through what he's gone through at 21. But, you know, there aren't many people that age that are, you know, capable of maturing in an environment like this with the expectations of a mega market like Toronto and, you know, the, an entire country kind of waiting for his arrival. If you go back and think about that, uh, that's a lot to deal with. Um, it's a lot, you know, to handle. He's an incredibly talented guy. And I think we're watching him learn how to develop routines and habits and an approach that is reflective of his talent and his ability. And, Always a good person, always great, you know, uh, teammate, but we're watching him develop habits and routines. Mark Shapiro, Jay's president and CEO here on Tim and Sid. Um, Bo Bichette, Mark, what, what is the biggest motivator for him this season, would you say? Well, Bo's, you know, Bo's motivators are internally driven. Um, they're pretty unique. Um, I think my observation of him is he he wants to be the best in the game, which which with which with the class of shortstops that exist within Major League Baseball mm-hmm. is a pretty lofty aspiration. Um, but you know he's he's driven to be great. There are a lot of players who want to get to the big leagues. There are a lot of players who want to be good players. It takes a, a special small class of players that I've been around in my career that wake up every day with a, a sense of urgency and a drive to be great. And I see that in Bo. There's been a lot of talk about the Fernando Tatis deal with the Padres, and it takes the Ocuna deal to another level. Hell, my soon-to-be ex-co-host and I even fought a little bit over this Fernando Tatis deal. Bo included. I thought you were going to say you offered that deal to try to keep him in place. <laughs> no, no, I turned it I, down. I'm going big. Go. Mark, I'm going big. Hey, Mark, I, I want a 30-year deal. 30 years. As, as you know, Mark, some of the best decisions are the ones that you let go, right? <laughs> yeah, very true. I, I've lived that. <laughs> yeah. So um, did any of your young stars, including Bo, are they looking to lock in long-term? Uh, I hope so. I mean, I, those are things that we explore, and, you know, I, I – I think those things tend to take care of themselves, you know, when players go out and show they have the capability and ability along with, you know, the the reliability, um, you know, that you feel confident in their approach long term. Um, you certainly you know, want to explore that long term contracts are all about sharing risk. And it's it's all about can you find that sweet spot where the player's comfortable you know, giving up some upside that could exist, you know, if they go through a conventional process of arbitration and then free agency and the organization's comfortable, you know, locking in values uh, over an extended period of time, you know, that regardless of what happens with injury or dips in performance, you know, you're committing those guaranteed dollars. So, um, but you look for that sweet spot where the player, you know, and the organization are both motivated and comfortable with a shared level of risk and, I think those are things that we have said <clears throat> we have in in the past, and we will continue to explore with you know with our core players. 
Mark, last one from me. The Tatis contract. Um, I, I've said this privately and publicly with Tim, and I'll just I'll reiterate it to you. I said to people who asked me what I thought about, it, I go, "There's no way Mark likes that. There's no way Ross <laughs> likes that." With a, with a roster that young, with that much potential, like I don't know what that just does to that market. What was your reaction to that contract? I don't know if one contract establishes a market or one contract is an outlier. Um, you know, I, I I think because of my years in the game, I tend not to, you know worry about the work that, and the business that someone else is doing because I don't really understand the reasons that, that they do things. And I'm sure that, you know, everyone has reasons. Certainly, you know, I have been, you know, doubted and second guessed so many times in my career that I, and I can never, you know, it's very difficult to often publicly explain the reasons for doing something. So um, I tend to refrain from making a judgment uh, to deal with that as just one relevant contract. There will be others and have been others that are relevant uh, and continue to get back to the business of running the Blue Jays. And uh, that business is day to day and you got a brand spanking new complex to help you with that business. Yes. Um, Mark, we, we uh, you, you've been really good to us here and I know you'll be continue to be great for Tim on Tim and Friends. And, uh, and I may, uh, there may be a morning in the near future, maybe we can have a five minute <laughs> Conversation over coffee or on a TV show. I don't know show. if I'm Who morning knows? material. I don't know if I'm morning material. <laughs> me, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> me neither. Well, my, Mark, what, hey, my main been, point is you've, you've been great. You've been great with us, and we appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thank no, you. man, I always, I always enjoy being on with you guys, and you know, you know, I've whether good or bad. It's uh, it's important to be available and accessible, but uh, certainly, Sid, wish you nothing but the best. Excited for the opportunity for you to continue to grow. We all look for that in our careers. Uh, and, and getting out from under Tim will, will allow you to grow in, in ways that I'm sure none of us can imagine. So happy, yeah. happy for you. No, and all with all sincerity, wish you the best. No, know, know that <laughs> we'll you. still see you and, and still have you in, uh, in the family and in the market. So looking forward to, to still interacting with you there. And Tim, uh, excited for uh, my next appearance bugging, with yeah. you yeah, and, and, and you and friends, you and friends. Yeah. <laughs> yes, many friends, many, many friends. Uh, it's usually just my head that casts that shadow that Sid needs to get out from under. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Okay, guys. Thank you. Take care. And congrats. Uh, I can't wait for the tour around that facility. I'll tell you that much. That looks on. Un- un- honestly, I know we ran the hell out of the video. I couldn't get enough of it. Like, yeah. check it out online. Go to the Tim and Sid accounts. Wow. That complex. Wow. All right, so Michael Grange dropped a story on Sportsnet.ca that a lot of Raptor fans were screaming for. It's an apology, and we'll discuss it next right here on Tim and Sid, Sportsnet Radio and TV. Tim and Sid, the magic number is two. In an exclusive interview with Sportsnet's Michael Grange, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver says he regrets the comments that he made during an HBO interview in 2019 regarding the incident involving Raptors President Masai Ujiri and a police officer working security at Game 6 of the NBA Finals. Silver told Grange, and I quote, When I watched that last bit of the interview, in light of what we know now, I would love to take those words back. Masai and I at this point have probably talked about that night 100 times since then. He has my full and unequivocal support but I apologize to Masai for what he said, for what I said in that interview. Believe me, when I look at it now, I cringe when I watch it. In case you haven't watched it, here's the interview we're talking about. Did it taint the moment of celebration, this 
final victory for you? It did. People that know me could see it. I couldn't be happy properly, you know? It's part and parcel of what comes with someone who is living on the edge a bit and, and is, is hardwired, you know, to sort of march forward with incredible energy. Right. And I think lessons learned for him without assigning, you know, um, culpability or blame to anyone as a leader. Those are the kinds of situations he needs to learn to avoid. Again, those were the comments uh, in a piece running in October of 2019, as Tim said on HBO. Uh, it took a long time for the apology to come. Raptor fans have had that in the back of their minds for a while. Michael yeah. Grange, who got the interview with NBA Commissioner Adam Silver, joining us on the line. Time is not our friend, so I'm going to stop wasting time here, Mike. We love that you jumped on here quickly. Um, what What else do we need to take away from your conversation with him? Because we see the quotes, but you talked to him. What stuck out to you? Well, he's clearly uh, was happy to have the opportunity to kind of set the record straight, so to speak. And, um, you know, there was some context to that interview. It's important to know that at that moment when he was speaking, uh, there were still uh, pending charges or a pen- pending investigation. So I-, I think not to put words in his mouth, but, but I think he was careful to take a middle ground there and, and not say anything to maybe antagonize the DA's office in Oakland and, and you know, make things worse for, for Masai Ujiri. Um, but obviously a lot has gone a lot of water under the bridge since then. And, you know, I think from the time that the, uh, the video came out in the bubble last August, um, you know, people were kind of, this, this clip would resurface and people were wondering about these, these comments without context and, and they look really, they don't look great. And I think they looked even more, uh, awkward, you know, in light of, you know, the social justice message that the NBA had embraced and Adam Silver had embraced um, so so fiercely in the wake of the George Floyd, Floyd death at the hands of the police officer in Minneapolis. So I think, you know, he was, he was, you know, like I said, I think he was, he was happy to have the opportunity to kind of set the record straight when I reached out to him. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll answer your next question because I could, I could go, I could go for a while. But I'll, uh, you know, it, it just, that's the follow-up. And I think, you know, we've only got a couple minutes here, but the follow-up is how receptive was the NBA commissioner to talking to you, knowing that there were a lot of people out, out there uh, asking and or demanding for this apology? Receptive. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't have to cajole them or anything like that. It, it, I just, you know, it was something I want, I'd been write, wanting to write about, and I reached out, and, and uh, you know, it was all set up fairly quickly, and and I think the two messages to take away are, are one is, is this has been a learning experience for the league. Like what happened to Messiah Jury just from a technical standpoint, like like how they're going to deal with security in those kind of moments going forward it is, will be different. And we touch on that in the piece. But I think the, also, the other thing that was, was interesting was um, Messiah Jury and Adam Silver are very close. And, you know, I think the there is a takeaway that, that he expressed um, – about sort of implicit bias and that, you know, we're almost kind of, we, a, a lot of people, <laughs> depending on, you, you know, your experiences are almost hardwired to default, accept um, the police's version or a police officer's version of events. And there's good reason for that. And, and I'm certainly not one who's going to come on and bash police. I think by far the majority of them are, are do great work and, and, and um, we're glad to have them, but we've seen over and over again, examples where that's not the case. 
And, uh, you know, and I think this whole uh, trajectory over the past, you know, that's really intensified in the past year or so, it allows people, and Adam Silver would, would count, himself, count himself among those, to kind of check some of those biases and, and um, not be so quick to accept with equal weight, um, you know, a version of events put forward by the police and innocent like that compared with, um, you know, your your relationship with the Saeed area. You know, it's a little bit more complex maybe than what I'm making it, but I hope that carries mm-hmm. the point there. Uh, Mr. Grange, great work on this. Uh, we appreciate you jumping on. Uh, in 15 seconds, how seriously should we take the Philadelphia Inquirer report earlier today about Kyle and the Sixers' interest? I would take seriously the possibility that uh, that they're going, Kyle Lowry and the Raptors and everyone involved are going to be investigating options. That's what I would take seriously, and and I would mm-hmm. I would Fair count enough. Philly as as among those options. Hey, great get on the uh, on the silver, yeah, definitely. I told you I loved you last time, so I'm not going to do it again. Good luck, guys. (laughs) Thanks, Mike. Love you, man. Uh, There is Michael Grange, sportsnet.ca. Full column up at sportsnet.ca right now. You can check it out. We retweeted on our Twitter account. Kendrick Perkins and some Tim and Sid memories are next in the final hour of the second to last show of Tim and Sid. It's time for real sports talk with Tim McCallum and Sid Sexero. Muchas gracias, sheepdogs. Three hours left of Tim and Sid, or Sid and Tim. Depending on when you joined us, <laughs> after 17 years of it. Sid and Tim didn't work out too well. Sid and Tim got us canceled. <laughs> and, and no one Tim... knew it was our last show that night. Do you remember how that played out? No one but us knew that was our last show in that studio during that entire broadcast. We didn't say anything. Didn't make mention of it. Forgive me. You had other things you were going to say, and I jumped all over it. But no. this this is a completely different way to end the show, no doubt about it. I was it. proud of that. We actually kept it under wraps, yeah. even though it was a significant Absolutely. deal to uh, the both of us. And I thought we handled it eloquently, uh, which we won't do tomorrow. Uh, oh, Adrian I'm, writes I'm, in. I'm drinking in the first segment, Mikhail. I got some tall boys right next to me. And Adrian writes in and says, boys. I seriously don't understand why I'm getting really emotional Coming up to the last episode, hashtag Tim and Sid, hashtag citizen. So I think he's saying he's a fan of you. Oh, okay. Sorry. I, thought, I, I, I was trying to think of what take to have. Like, I, I, I am emotional for him as well. And I, I, think, I think it just uh, – let me try and pontificate on us, which is always a dangerous <laughs> thing. Yes, I'm scared. You're which making me laugh a out of nervousness. Thing. I just think, I just think um, especially in Canadian media – the familiarity that exists is very precious with certain things. Like whether you're Peter Mansbridge or whether you were Grapes for all those years or whoever, Ron, it doesn't matter, right? Like when mm-hmm. people are familiar with you in Canadian media, I find, this is my opinion, disagree with me all you want, Timmy, go ahead. But I find the, the longer you are on air, and even if you're not as good as you used to be, which I don't think is the case with us, I think this is as good as we've ever been considering we're doing the show this way. Um, 
there there is people find that that's a precious thing in this country and it doesn't matter what the topic was it doesn't matter what was going on whether the raptors were good or sucked it doesn't matter we were always kind of we our, our ugly mugs were there and our voices were there and in the in canada i find i don't know if it's the same in the states but in canada there is real currency in that a because it doesn't happen a ton right just just right. doesn't and b um it's just the market up here it, it's it's more wanting for that like if like t- again the biggest compliment tim and i get well we get we some nice nice things have been we get a lot of compliments we got like let me let me, let me pull back <laughs> i have to i i have to wait like i'm tripping over the compliments getting Would you to this. hurry up get to your I'm point tri- i'm just saying i i uh, just to be part of people's day the way we have every that's, day that's... is messed up and that's been the 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 secret sauce in this that you and i living in the bubble that we do doing the show especially now we don't see and and, and hearing all this stuff has been it's been nice. It's been very kind that people would take time out of their day to, to remind us how we were a part of their day during, right. during some okay times, during some very dark times where we helped them in ways you and I couldn't even imagine. So that's, uh, I forgot what the question was, but I think we're off. There was no question. You just went off. I just went off. <laughs> I just think we're great. Adrian said that he was getting really emotional. I think when you spend 17 years with some people, uh, that's not everybody. That's no. a few people, though, uh, have been with us throughout oh, yeah. it all. Oh, yeah, they know um, who they are. And there's people that have been with us for five years or two years Whatever. or yeah. a year. Or the last year um, in this. Right. Yeah. You're this right. craziness uh, that are getting um, very nice. We're getting very nice emails and tweets from them, and we appreciate it. Extremely time. kind. Thank you very much for all. Thank you. Time now for Inside the Lions, brought to you by Sports Interaction, Canada's odds maker, 19+. plus. Please play responsibly. Ten games in the NHL tonight. Some notable matchups include the Flames, who go back-to-back, and they are still minus 165 favorites against the Sens in Ottawa in the Battle of the Kachucks. Pretty much coin flip between the uh, Penguins and the Caps. That's Sid, that's Ovi. That's a rivalry. Over and under mm-hmm. six and a half in that one. Uh, Bruins minus 140 favorites against the Islanders. Habs minus 120 favorites in their first game under Dominic Descharmes as they face the Jets in Winnipeg. And a couple of nights after blowing that 3 nothing lead to the Oilers, the Canucks go at it again against those very same Oilers. They are plus 115 dogs at home. Guys, leave the board up. Timmy, that, uh, leave the board up for a second. The, the Habs line tonight against... Winnipeg saw a really interesting number yesterday. There were eight coaching changes in the NHL all of last season up until the uh, the season was paused. Obviously, okay. What do you think? What do you think the team's records were collectively in the eight games? First game with the new coach. What do you think it was? I find the uh, here's here's there's a balance here, and it's a difficult uh, answer to an easy question. I've done research in the past, which was like in 2005, that when you change the coach midseason, the rest of the season doesn't go well. However, there's always, there always seems to be a little bit of a bump right off the jump. So I'm going to say it was something like six and two in those eight occasions, but long term, it doesn't work out that way. I know that. Eight coaching changes last year in the NHL before the stoppage. 
first game with the new coach, the teams were combined three wins and five losses. Oh, so it wasn't that good. <laughs> All right. But like, but 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 I'm glad you went down that road because when I initially saw the lead up to that stat, I was reading last night. I was thinking to myself because we all have in our heads that bump. You know, you got a new coach, clean slate. Everyone's motivated. Everyone's looking for time. If you're Thomas Tatar, shut the hell up. Start playing. You're Philip Deneau, shut the hell up. Start playing. And last year's number in the NHL was not close to what I thought it might have been in that contextual situation. So I just thought it was worth bringing up because that Habs-Jets game is going to be tasty. It's going to be a fascinating one. And um, I don't know. Maybe maybe I shouldn't put the Habs down for guaranteed win night yet. I don't know, especially with Dubois now, the best winger in hockey. My God. I <laughs> uh, wanted to pass along to uh, that the Jays have signed Tommy Malone to a minor league deal. So uh, the one question that I didn't get to Mark Shapiro was, did he want another arm? Uh, apparently he did enough to get Tommy Malone on a minor league deal. It's it's interesting. It's another roll of the dice that the Jays are going to take that someone can refind uh, previous I don't want to call it glory when it comes to time alone, but not bad. Well, he's not what he was. Like yeah. he's he, no, like he was a starter in this league consistently. Yeah. Like he, let that, and if he, if you can grab that at this minor league contract, him, I'm with him. That'd, that'd be a good thing. That'd be a good thing. Uh, getting a lot more tweets because we read one. Uh, Adam writes in and says, one "It's amazing thing how that works, eh, Miguel. It's amazing <laughs> how that works." One thing about the show is that it always allows us to participate in the sports conversation, which is even harder to do mm-hmm. in real life because of this pandemic. I hope Tim and Friends allows us that same participation, without a doubt, Adam. Um, the one thing that you and I, I don't even know if you remember me saying this when we started the podcast, but I said the show is going to be whatever you want it to be. And the you was not me and you, it was the fans. And they have not led us astray. Like, we've always said this will be what you want it to be. In fact, we used to let people vote on our lead, right? <laughs> like, Yeah, for sure. That was the thing. Um it's it's an amazing thing, the power, uh, and Tim deserves a lot of the credit for this. And I'm going to try and teeth this at BT. The power of, of people in the moment seeing a tweet on national television or even hearing it on local one to four radio, because that's where it yeah. started, like in earnest. I know it started in the pod, but like when, pe- when you and I were one to four on Sportsnet 590, the fan, that when, and whether it was a student in, in class that they weren't paying attention to or someone in their cubicle <laughs> yeah. or... OHL scouts driving around. I got a truck stop somewhere, like between, like heading to a game. Um, Being able to reach into the show, and I can't stress this enough to anyone, any programmer out there in our industry, the ability to reach in and be a part of the show is invaluable. Like, just what? Don't give it away. I'll let you take uh, it. We've been doing it forever. No one's doing it. It's fine. It's fine. Tim and friends will still be the only one doing it. Um, but now, but they, even, even, but now they know because we were trending when you said goodbye. So now the rest we're of them trending, are like, oh, we trend all the they're time. a big Whatever. deal. <laughs> Whatever. We're trending all the time. Um, but even the back end, Tim, those TNT, inside the NBA segments on TNT, when, before they go to break, what do they do? Yeah. A couple tweets from some, some BS they were talking about five minutes earlier, like nothing. But some creative people on social media send a meme or a gif, whatever it is. Hit a couple before you go to break. Boom. Go to break. Guess what? You're now a part of the show. You now own a bit of this. You have stock. Not game stock, but real stock. So that, that's the part of this, too, that blew me away as we did it. it seemed like a simple concept at the time. With more, when you see it in person the way Tim and I did, wow, there's power in that. Absolute power. Uh, M. Pierce writes in and says, Tim, can you see if you can get Sid to unblock me for saying that Scarface was overrated? 
as a last show of good faith to an original Timon citizen. Hashtag scope of my tuta. There's no way. You know what? No, I deserve to block you for that. I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why. Scarface is, yeah, is it a little cheesy at times? Yes. But Scarface is one of the more significant cinematic achievements of Al Pacino's career. He's had many. Uh, I thought Heat with him and De Niro is still one of the most underrated movies in the history of time. And they're seen as legendary. Um, unless you want to publicly apologize here on Twitter right now with Tim and I for that ridiculous comment, then I'll unblock you. But we're not going to act like that didn't happen. We're not going to act like you didn't besmirch the name of Al Pacino. If Adnan Verk was here, he'd lose his mind. So if you want to apologize via the tweets, please do, because I'm still here for another two hours and, and 40 minutes or whatever it is. So go ahead. Uh, Mr. Pierce, like, let's be honest. Any movie where the guy says, say hello to my little friend, 6-0 is going to be uh, kind of sentimental about. Uh, did you see, did you see uh, the art from Mel Coleman on any of my social channels? Uh, we yes. get tweeted out yes, so that the radio listeners can see it as well. But you saw the loving embrace of both you and I. How would you feel if um, we hung that in the studio once you were gone? Oh, my God. That's that's one of the nicer things anyone's ever drawn of me. Normally, I do nude, um, but this is <laughs> it's still a, it's still a nice. <laughs> not totally, Tim. I have a leaf, <laughs> a huge leaf, <laughs> like one of the logos on the leaf jerseys. Big designed by Shanahan. Huge, <laughs> massive. It's like Titanic, but different, you know, <laughs> <laughs> talk about reverse retro. I almost reverse uh, retroed my lunch. Tell you that much. I got a um, quick one here, Timmy. I got a, can I can I throw one in here? This is sure. a buddy of mine. A buddy of mine, Nino, threw this up on the Tim and Sid uh, Instagram account. But uh, Maddie Morgan, who's just who's amazing, uh, sent this to us. Hey, brother, uh, Sid, it's Nino. Remember me? Yes, I remember you. Remember the night we're at the Leaf game, and a gentleman sitting in front of us turned around, looked me dead in the eye, and said, "You're Gino Retta, right?" <laughs> yes, Nino, I remember that. Well played. That was a good night. That was a good uh, night. We've, we've been gathering goodbyes as we've gone along. Uh, I haven't seen many of these <laughs> under the hashtag Tim and Sid Memories. As Sid sees a, oh. a picture of himself eating a massive hot dog with potato chips on top. That was like our but third we've been gathering. We've been gathering the goodbyes as we've gone along. I haven't seen these either. Um, okay. Apparently, we have too many for tomorrow's show, so Let's we're going to play a few yeah, today. So here we are, hours before the end of the Tim and Sid era. And as the uh, global ambassador, I, I thought it was important that I, I say something. End of an era. It's all over. There's no tomorrow. To Tim, good luck, whatever you do. To Sid, good luck, whatever you do. Tim's still going to be on the air? Sid's going to a morning show? They don't serve chicken fingers in the morning. So, they haven't lost their jobs. They're just not working together. Oh, 
Oh, well. That's okay. Gold medal in the face! Hey, Tim and Sid. Uh, I just want to say congrats on the long run. Obviously, that was one of my favorite moments uh, from your show. Uh, your reaction to our big Sochi game and then me getting to come on the show and share my experiences with you guys. So thank you. And also, I want to say a big thank you for giving women's hockey a voice um, and having lots of female you know, athletes and hockey players on your show. Uh, Tim, you know, if you ever need a co-host, the Tim and Spoon Show, I think it doesn't sound too bad. <laughs> but Sid, we will all miss watching you, um, but I know you're gonna be awesome on BT. Thank you and wishing you guys all the best. Tim and Sid, hi, Doug Gilmore here. Just uh, wanna say to you guys, congrats, you know, almost 20 years together, and uh, Tim, you're gonna continue on. Uh, Sid, uh, uh, good luck in Portuguese. Uh, congrats on your new gig. Enjoy, enjoy the morning show, that's awesome. Uh, we'll all be watching. Have a good one, take care. Hey Sid, it's Brett Kissel. Um, what can you say after a decade um, running the show, you and Tim? Uh, first, I wanna say obviously thank you for letting me be a part of your show on a number of occasions now over the years. Um, but I wanna say thank you for something that you may not realize you've contributed to uh, so many lives of Canadians. Okay, I'm gonna get really philosophical here. You and Tim have been a bright spot in many people's days for a long, long time, regardless if we believed in your opinion on sports or my Edmonton Oilers, you've been a bright spot for so many of us. And that is something I wanna say thank you for. And that is something that I think a lot of us are gonna miss. And uh, Tim, if you wanna talk about the Oilers, I'm only one phone call away. And uh, Sid, we will see you on BT. Congratulations on this next chapter in your life. You're one of the good ones. Take care. Tim and Sid, 20 years. I can't even believe it. Feels like yesterday I was a young, less crazy looking whippersnapper who loved basketball and was in Canada and had no idea where to find highlights of my favorite sport. And occasionally I'd be flipping through the channels and I'd put the score on and I saw these two weirdos who were as excited about basketball as me and my friends were. And it was like, okay. And then you start watching them show the highlights and how they're calling the highlights. And you're like, they're as excited about basketball as me and my friends. And I think that people forget how important that was to, can uh, to basketball in Canada. It was you guys hyping it up on the score. So I appreciate that. And on behalf of all of the other basketball weirdos in Canada, we thank you for, uh, for kickstarting it for a lot of us. And Sid, I wish you the best of luck on your new venture. I think it's gonna be great, man. Uh, I'm not sure how funny you're gonna be that early in the morning. I'm also going to say right now that I'm probably never going to see an episode live, but I love you and good luck. And Tim, I will continue to watch because I will be awake. Love you both, bye. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot there, man. There's a, yeah, lot there's a lot there. there. First off, uh, as much as, as I, he loves us, clearly not enough for John Shannon to turn down the Flames Leafs game. Oh, my God. What the hell was that? He went Forget like that's he went Spinal Tap 11. On the, all I hear is Craig talking about Johnny Goudreau. Like, can you mute it for 30 <laughs> seconds? 
<laughs> Can you mute Eng- John? Mute it for 30 seconds. My God. Engvall the other way. Engvall the other way. Cuthbert. Natalie Spooner, uh, you are you are a, a mensch. You are unbelievable. Uh, we go back a long way. And, uh, and Tim, I, uh, the, the gold medal in the face thing, I never told you the story. We were at um, we were at a consmite dinner not long after that. And somebody came up to me. Guy came up to me and said that, that the way you guys reacted to the Sochi gold medal, that was great. I went, thanks. It was a lot of fun. He's like, he said to me, it's really important that my daughter saw that. And I said, what do you, like, it didn't register. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, it's, it is, it was, a, it was important. He didn't dive into it. Like a, he didn't take another layer into the, what yeah. he meant, yeah. but he just repeated it like two or three more times. And I've, I've always remembered him saying that in that it's just the little things. I mean, that wasn't a little thing you and I and DJ did obviously, but we, I, I, I would, I would sometimes take for granted how we would affect people in little things we did. And and that and that one was a reminder. Natalie just there, love Natalie. That reminded me of that story. So if we did any good in that, we were just celebrating the gold. <laughs> right. We we were just. And for the record, DJ we hugged fans. me. Whatever. It's not important how how it happened. Um. But we. It it is amazing how people can interpret it and take it in ways that you wouldn't even think. So I'll I'll always remember that. All right, so you're talking about one of the viral moments. And for those who didn't uh, or weren't watching on TV. Sorry, and Dallas Green has gone full hermit uh, in this uh, pandemic. Dallas has gone full hermit. Um, He looks looks very pandemic-ish. Uh, a little birdie told me uh, he, it's about most creative moment of his life right now. Like there's some there's some things coming. Like he's had some time. So shout out to Dallas Green as well. Does, I mean, he often looks hermit like. Like let's be honest here. He went. He's going extra hermit. Okay. Like it's right. it's extra. It's extra. Uh, the people the people that you heard were John Shannon, Natalie Spooner, Doug Gilmore, uh, Brett Kessel, and Dallas Green. Um, you brought up the gold medal in your face. Of the viral moments that you have had, ice dancing, gold medal in the face, messy fraud, if you'd like to add anything, messy fraud, what, what do you, like, what do you, lo- I'm not even going to say what are you most proud of, like, what stands out to you the most of the viral moments, like the ones that really traveled? How weird they were. I went 13 minutes or whatever it was, I don't think it was 13. It might have been on ice dancing. Why? Because it was family day and Tim wasn't there. <laughs> Normally, family day in Ontario. Normally, would I go thirteen minutes on ice dancing? No, but it was just it was a it was a it was a moment of circumstance there, Tim. That's the one thing I'll remember from that and how weird it was that it did travel. And the messy thing was just weird. Okay. Because because like of all the things to go viral from our show. Four minutes on soccer wasn't near the top of the list for me, if, we, <laughs> if you were to ask me. But that those two, just because of how odd they were, do do stand out in terms of how they moved. Definitely. So let's um, let's be honest about both of them. I wasn't there for them. <laughs> <laughs> both messy and ice dancing, and my my thought process is. They might not have existed if I was there because I, like a jackass, would have jumped in and said, whoa, 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 hold on a second. But unfettered, 
unfettered, Sixero was able to do his thing. So I turn back to Sid Sixero, Donovan Bennett, and fraud. Lionel Messi. <laughs> fraud. Roll it. Messi. Here's the fraud element of Messi that no one wants to talk about. <laughs> Dom- and I said fraud. Domestically, he's won everything there is to win at Barcelona. Here's how you know what Messi's about. When they were winning the best things at Barcelona, it was Messi, was Xavi, Iniesta, David Villa. That, that was a team. When they would break from 2008 on and go their separate ways for major tournaments, Xavi and Iniesta and David Villa and all those Spanish guys from Barca were winning tournaments. Messi, the second he steps on a field without that core, is average. And the best players I've ever seen in my life can play with anybody. Cristiano Ronaldo can play with any... Michael Carrick sucks. Darren Fletcher sucks. Why are you stabbing Michael Carrick? I'm making a point. I'm making a point that Ronaldo didn't have have Xavi. Ronaldo didn't have Iniesta. Zinedine Zidane could play with anybody. Fat Ronaldo from Brazil could play with anybody and win. That's greatness. That's a goat. That's a guy you respect. Fraud. Been a fraud internationally since he started his career, and we're seeing it really come to the surface now. He's not the same guy when he leaves Camp Nou. That has been proven over and over and over again. I'm not mad at him for playing with great guys at Barca. That's not his fault. But this GOAT discussion dies today. It's over. I don't want to hear it. I'm not bringing it up. I'm not retweeting it. It's done. Ronaldo is the greatest player I've ever seen in my life. This guy was on a good team with good players. Domestically, not so much with Argentina. Thanks. Thanks for jumping in, Deej. Um, <laughs> so I, mean, I, I called him a fraud three times, though. Like, yeah. he, I, I don't remember the first two we ran on that clip. That's mad. Like, I for, go ahead. Go ahead. Fraud. I, I, need a, I need a question on this. Go ahead. Do you not read anything? Because I saw your face when you saw all the headlines come up while we were playing that back of, like, the Mirror, UK, all over the world. We have 60 seconds left. Do you not read anything? I, I, I read a few things. The Sun and the Mirror, the British stuff, I, I skimmed. Because that, that was a once-in-a-lifetime odd moment. And I still don't know if I should be proud of that or not. Richard Deitch believes I should. Um, but, no, mostly I don't. The funny part is once in a while, Tim, it'll come up again from, like, a Juventus fan board. And it'll be like, this is the best rant that we've ever seen. Go run up, grow Cristiano Ronaldo. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it yeah. just depends on what, it depends on what side you are of that. So, uh, for the most part, no, I don't read them. I read a few. I read a few, but not many. Uh, send us your tweets. We'll read them tomorrow on uh, the final edition of Tim and Sid. Listen, Hockey Central is coming your way next on Sportsnet. We continue on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet 590 The Fan with Kendrick Perkins, an old friend will stop by, and there is plenty to talk about in basketball. Stay tuned. Tim and Sid.
I don't see the apology on the Scarface. There's still time. Today, tomorrow, there's still time. I do it's never see too late he, to admit you're wrong. Never too late. I, I do see that he tweeted in and said, Draymond, uh, Draymond Green voice, Sid, you chasing that farewell tour? They don't love you like that. They don't love you like they love Bob McCowan. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Bob, he's doubling down. Bob got up and left. There was nothing. There was nothing. <laughs> Bob was like, see him, my ass is sore, and left. Um, all right, more. Uh, uh, keep the tweets coming. This is, uh, this, is, this is fantastic. Thank you very much for all the love. Uh, we are lucky on this show to call many people friends. Kendrick Perkins, NBA champion of ESPN, joining us here on Tim and Sips. What's going on, Perk? How you doing, man? What's up, fellas? Hey, look, before we get started, before we get started, let me apologize, right, to 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 all my Toronto people because at the beginning of the season, I called out my Toronto Raptors because they was playing basketball, I mean bad basketball, and I was being inconsiderate, okay, because we had to realize the Raptors had to deal with something no other team had to deal with for us moving situations, going to another city, getting situated, things to that nature. And now we're starting to see the Raptors of old. So let me apologize first because y'all know how I feel about the Raptors, okay? I just wanted to get that started. But, look, I appreciate y'all having me on. What's going on, fellas? Let me ask you this because I I hear the apology – and I've been talking to some inside basketball folks about what the difference has been. And – I, I I get way too often it's effort, it's intensity, it's good coaching, it's just guys caring an awful lot. Perk, if that's true, how damning is that to the Minnesota Timberwolves of the world, uh, to the New York Knicks every year except for this year of the world, to the bottom feeders that can't get over the hump in the NBA? Is that the truth? It is the truth. <clears throat> and I say this. Just because it starts with the head of the snake, right? And that starts with your coach. And it goes to tell you the level of respect that people have for their coach, right? The Toronto Raptors, Fred Van Vliet, Kyle Lowry, those guys. When Coach Nick Nurse could hold them accountable and they could turn it up another notch. See, you look at the Minnesota situation, they've been searching for a coach for years. You look at the Knicks situation. They've been searching for a coach for over a decade and a half almost, right? Can't find the right one. It's all about that leader. It's all about that guy that you bring in, that they trust, that they go respect. And, and that's that's really what it is. Kendrick Perkins here on Tim and Sid. Um, all right, Perk. Let, uh, Tim, anything else before we get to Kyle? Anything else you want to jump in with? No, I'm good. Go ahead. All right, Perk. Let's, let's, uh, let's role play here. I am Kyle Lowry, just with a smaller bank account. And you are Kendrick Perkins. Let's role play. Mm-hmm. I'm, I go, Perk, listen, I need your advice. There's a chance that Masai and Bobby could accommodate a trade for me to one of three places, and I might have my pick. Where do you think is the best fit for me? Philly, the Clippers, or Miami? First of all, anytime. You get an opportunity to go back home and play in front of your hometown and go back to Philly where he's from. And right now, the way that the 76ers looking are looking, great coach, great chemistry, 
and you got a chance to go back there and possibly win another championship in your hometown, you don't even think twice about it. You don't even think twice about it. You got to go to Philly, period. It's. Uh, I was saying this on the other show, and I should have said it. I went on with Writer's Block, which is before us on Sportsnet 59 The Fan, and I didn't say it again when Sid and I were talking about it. But if Kyle Lowry brought a championship back to Philly, like he could write his ticket Ooh. forever in that town, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think, look, he already, first of all, Kyle Lowry, the greatest Raptor of all time, has already write his own, wrote his own ticket, not only in Toronto, but in Philly. Because I strongly believe that Kyle Lowry one day be in the Hall of Fame. If that's not enough, I don't know what to tell you. And by the way, didn't he go to Villanova? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Villanova yeah, right. is in Philly, right? Yep. I mean, I mean, what else can you expect? But if he goes there and deliver a championship, whoo, whoo, whoo. Well, Perk, look, I'm telling you. Uh, well, but here's no, the thing. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Uh, Kendrick Perkins here on Tim and Sid. We're talking about the report today in the Philadelphia Inquirer stating that Kyle Lowry has some options if he would like a trade from the Toronto Raptors, including Philly. FYI, bringing everyone up to speed. Daryl Morey is the guy who traded him to the Raptors. Um, is is that water under the bridge as as he runs the Sixers? Like, is there like clearly if there, if there's there's some smoke, there's fire here. Obviously, there's there's still some respect between the two. But um, I am a little surprised that the Sixers rumor is picking up this kind of steam, considering it was Morey that traded Lowry away earlier in his career. Do you think that's an obstacle at all? No, it's not. No, it's not. And I think Doc Rivers plays a huge part in that. Him going back, knowing Doc Rivers, knowing Sam Cassell, that plays a huge part in it. And then again, guys mature, right? Guys get older. You let things go. You know, and it's part of the business, right? It's part of it. At the time, Kyle Larry wasn't the guy that he is today. So, I mean, Dal Moore probably was thinking in his head, man, I made a mistake. I should have stuck with it. But he got a chance to get things and rekindle things and make things right. Why not? I just witnessed the same thing happen with James Harden and Kevin Durant. When when Kevin Durant was up for free agency, guess what? James Harden wanted him to come to Houston. James Harden and KD were great friends. KD decided to go to Golden State. They didn't speak for a long time. But now Kevin Durant had a chance to make things right and said, hey, time for you to get out of Houston. Come to Brooklyn with Kyrie and, and rock out with me and Kyrie. And that's how you do it. Time heal wounds, and then, you know, later down the line, if you have a chance to fix things, you fix it. Kendrick Perkins joining us here on Tim and Sid, which is what you did at the start of the show. Um, or at least the start of this segment when you were talking to Raptor fans about the 2-8 and eight start, uh, which is what you've done with Harden, I see, on Twitter. Um, but you've just been straight with him. When he was messing around in Houston, you told him he was messing around in Houston, and now when he's playing real, uh, you real, real recognize real. So let me ask you this. When, when you go to Twitter and you write something mm-hmm. like, Pascal Siakam is more skilled than Giannis, don't at me. What's it look like when they at you? Oh, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's, it's telling me all type of stuff like Perk didn't lost his mind. Perk don't watch the game. 
what are you talking about? And I'm like, you know, don't I really don't have time to go back and forth with every single person. But it's just crazy to me that if you watch the game of basketball with your own two eyes and you can sit up here and say that Giannis has more skill than Pascal Siakam, you have a real problem. And just because I said that Pascal Siakam has more skill than Giannis, I didn't. that doesn't mean he's a better basketball player. It's just that he has more offensive skills. He can shoot better. He can dribble better. He got more in his offensive package than Giannis. It's no insult. It's just the truth. And Pascal, and we, we mentioned it a lot on this show. Let's remember, he's like played basketball for 10 years or something like that. <laughs> like this is his story. Like Because people are going to hear that for the first time, Perk, not, not seeing your post, and go, what? But like, let's, let's bring the whole context of Siakam into this conversation because it is insane what this kid has done. It definitely is. Well, look, let me ask y'all this. Let me ask you. Let me ask y'all this, okay? Do y'all think I was crazy for saying that? Do y'all agree with me on that one? I understand the distinction, and I understand where people lost the distinction. But what you're talking about is Pascal can shoot the three. We haven't seen, although he, he struggled at the start of the season, Pascal can shoot it. Pascal can put it on the floor a little bit better. He has a stronger skill set than Giannis, and that is both a compliment and somewhat damning because Giannis is a two-time MVP and Pascal hasn't gotten there. So I, I completely understand what you're talking about. Right. It's just like, it's, and, and look, don't take, I hope we don't take this out of context, right? But I'm just saying, it's almost like me saying that KG, right, had more, was more skilled than Tim Duncan. There's nothing wrong with that. That don't mean that he was a better basketball player than Tim Duncan. Some may, some may argue, but I still think that Tim Duncan is the greatest power forward of all time. KG ranks right up under him. But that, that's not no knock on Tim Duncan. It's just that KG had more in his package than Tim Duncan had offensively. Kendrick Perkins here on Tim and Sid. Uh, earlier in the show, Perk, uh, Tim brought up the fact that it's now official DeMarcus Cousins uh, has cleared waivers and he is free to be with any team. If you're a Raptors fan, do you want Bobby Webster to dig into this a little bit? Like, is he a fit? No, he's not. He's not. He's not. Uh, you know, I, I think right now Cousins struggle to take a lesser role. And when you look at bigs that you want in today's game, the type of bigs that you want, are guys that are dynamic rollers, that are live threats at the basket, that could protect the paint, run the floor, set great screens, be shot blockers, uh, be, uh, guys that are able to switch out on pick and rolls, and DeMarcus Cousins is not that. He's a guy that still think that, hey, I need post touches, and that's just not what the game is. That's not what the Raptors need for damn sure. Hmm. Is it Lakers? No. For for cousins? I don't think the Lakers get them. No. No. I think the Lakers are iron. I think the Lakers want to sell on white side. Oof. That's an interesting name. Like if you Yeah. Like if you get if, if you get DeMarcus guys. Cousins. Right. If you get DeMarcus Cousins and it's almost I mean, you kinda already have that kind of 
and Marcus Saul, right? I mean, Demarcus Cousins obviously is better right now at this age, at this stage of their, their careers than Marcus Saul, but they don't compliment LeBron James well or Anthony Davis. Like LeBron yeah. James, the reason that he's been struggling, well, not him, but the offense is because he's used to having a guy that could roll hard to the basket, a dynamic roller that's a live threat where you have to pick and choose who you go stop. Either you go stop him driving to the basket, you go stop the roller, or he's going to be throwing those pinpoint dart passes right to those corners for guys for wide open threes. That's why the Utah Jazz work so well. They've got, they got floor spaces, and they have Rudy Gobert, and they have Derek Favors, who are live threats, and now pick and choose. Are you going to stop Donovan Mitchell coming down here or Mike Conley? Or are you going to stop this 7-3 guy that's pretty athletic for his size who could go catch lobs? Or are you going to leave Bogdanovich and Clarkson and all these guys open to knock down three-pointers? That's what the game is. ESPN's Kendrick Perkins here on Tim and Sid. Perk, um, there is a real Canadian feel to what is going on with OKC here with Shea Gilgis-Alexander with a 40-burger last night, uh, Lugans Dort with the winner. Just just for the Canadian basketball fraternity up here, just Perk, please, you know just, those guys are Canadian? Yeah. Like, I, I, Give before we love, get it, do you know that they're Canadian? Yeah, I know that. You remember? Okay. I, right. You remember last year? I was praising Shea. I thought he yeah. should have made the All Star team last year. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah I, I already know. Look, look. You know the one thing I noticed about the Canadians. Okay, I haven't I haven't witnessed one South Canadian. They play hard, tough as nails. It's Andrew Wiggins, right? Andrew Wiggins is from Canada, right? Yeah, correct. Guess what? I used to think Andrew Wiggins was soft, but now that narrative has changed, right, for me. Because when I look at him under this Golden State Warriors culture, I see a whole nother Wiggins. Like, I look at Andrew Wiggins now, and I'm like, oh, he's a dog. Okay. I see him playing both ends of the floor. So, look, I got nothing but respect for the Canadians, okay, that are in the league. They remind me a lot of these Texas boys because there's nothing soft about either one of them. <laughs> uh, do you like where's where's Shea's ceiling? Because he's real interesting to me. Long, athletic, like he's just getting the confidence. Uh, he kind of learned under Chris Paul last year. Like, where's his ceiling? His ceiling is multiple. Uh, he's going to make multiple All Stars. He's going to be on all NBA teams. I don't know if he ever will be labeled as a superstar. But I could see him being a six or seven time All Star, um, leading a team to the playoffs type guy. Uh, if he gets some help, making some noise in the playoffs, possibly reaching the finals. But that's longer. That's 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 further down the line in the future. But I could see him possibly making the All Star game next year. Matter of fact, he should make the All Star game next year. Uh, next year, he should have made it this year. But it's just with so much going on yeah. for us. So many guys being in the West and, you know, the the playoff standings supposedly mean so much, but that goalpost moves so much. I don't know what to expect <laughs> when it comes down when it comes down to guys making all star games, right? Yeah. Okay. I hear it. Uh Perk, before we let you go, I felt like I should have maybe led with this, so forgive me. You are in Texas. Texas has has seen some Houston, things here in yeah. the last couple of weeks. 
How are you? What was the power situation? And, and like, describe it for us. Well, you know, it, it wasn't – the weather wasn't as bad as what people think it was. The weather wasn't a problem, right? We got a couple inches of snow. You know, living in Boston, it really was nothing. It was the state, right, our governor, our senator, that dropped the ball. They knew the storm was coming three weeks in advance. Uh, they didn't have people prepared, meaning not having the right, giving people the right information on what to do, how to handle the situation. They didn't tell people that they were going to turn people power and water off, you know, and, and giving people a heads up so that they could plan accordingly, right? And I think what happened was because a pipe bust in my house and flooded half of my downstairs is why I'm living in the hotel room right now. But because they turned our, our water off, they turned our power off, to, quote, unquote, to save energy for whatever that, may, whatever that means. And then they turned people water back on after having it off for about 48 hours. And Man. people pipes just bust. And then after the fact, they go on television and tell people, hey, you know, make sure when the lights go off, we're turning the lights off and water off at this time. Make sure all the water is drained out your pipes and turn off the main outlet. And I'm sitting up there saying to myself, y'all should have told us this before millions of people millions of people had damage in their homes and now have to get things, you know, fixed up. You know, I'm fortunate enough that I had homeowner's insurance and that I could afford to get the damages repaired. But it's a lot of people that don't have homeowner's insurance. It's a lot of people that don't have the money to get them their house, uh, their, their homes repaired. And that's the people that I feel bad for, if that makes sense. Completely. Understood. Uh, Perk, we always love having you on. Thanks for doing this. Uh, really appreciate it. As always, Tim and Sid, I appreciate it. Hey, look, I'm telling y'all right now, the Toronto Raptors are going to get in the playoffs. Okay, they're going to make a lot of noise because they're playing extra- exceptional basketball on both ends of the floor. And listen, it won't be the end of the world if Kyle Larry gets traded. Okay, I think I think he's a ju- I think it's time for a new change of scenery with him. Matter of fact, I, I'm lobbying for the Celtics to actually trade for him because I think that's wow. what Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown need. But I think right now the the Raptors are in great hands. Fred Van Vliet, OG, Pascal, Boucher, Norman Powell. Y'all got enough firepower. But I do say this. I'm, I'm telling you right now so y'all won't say, hey, our friend Perk, and y'all know our relationship. Y'all know how much I love you, Tennessee coming on the show, y'all my family. I don't want y'all to think I'm stabbing y'all in the back. I'm telling y'all right now that I'm lobbying for Kyle Larry to come to Boston, okay? I want him on the Boston Celtics. I want him with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I'm just telling you. Understood. Understood. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, Perk, all the best to you, man. Hope things things, uh, get a bit better down there, and we we love you. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, fellas. Thank y'all. There is uh, Kendrick Perkins flying up the media landscape in the United States of America. We've got to take a break. When we come back, uh, we will set you up. Oh, my gosh. The magic number is almost down to one. That's crazy. <laughs> Tim and Sid continues for now. Sportsnet. Sportsnet 5.9 of the fifth.
Tim and Sid tweets or all the tweets we keep getting about the guy who knows that Kyle Lowry sold his house in Toronto? <laughs> is that, are like we doing, oh, wait a second, wait a second. Are we doing, because I had heard it, are we really going to do this Kawhi Leonard house thing again in this market with this player right now? Is that really something we're going to try and do again? No. Because I understand people jumping all over it, but I don't. <laughs> like I do I it, get it, but I don't. I do it all the time with the reference, right? Like, yeah. I do it like, we get, we see your tweet about the house for sale, sold, whatever it is. <laughs> we understand it. It doesn't necessarily mean what it you want it to mean or you yeah. think it means, uh, but it can also. So Maybe he bought another else? property. I don't know. You don't know. You don't know. Uh, Doug Fox didn't write that. He wrote for the... Please, for the love of all things holy, replay the Bob McCowan segment tomorrow. I need to hear from Enzo from Woodbridge. Are we allowed? Hashtag, what's up with Alex Anthopoulos? Are, are we allowed? What do you mean, are we that, allowed? I'm, t- I'm, I'm asking. I don't know. I don't know what the... It was on our think. show. You can play it. Oh, you're right. It was on our show. He that was took one over of the our funniest show. things. That's one of the funniest things that ever happened to Tim and I live. And I, I, I'll stop there because I, I, I really am rooting for this clip tomorrow. Like, first block clip. Like, this is a I'll, good clip. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, Doug, I had forgotten about that one. Sorry, say, repeat that, Tim. Uh, Dylan was I had there. forgotten about that one. So I'd would I. That, yeah. And that, made me, that makes me laugh every time. I, once in a blue moon, I'll see it on my timeline. It gets me every time. That's such All a right. great clip. Chris writes in and says, Tim, watch out for the super kick at the end of the show. Remember what happened to Marty Gennetti. <laughs> I, I, I sense Tony the memer putting our heads on, guys. I, I can feel that coming. <laughs> uh, I could read a few more, but I got a feeling tomorrow's show will be. Uh, yeah, why not? We'll just run it all back. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Timmy. The magic number is one. Wow. No idea what tomorrow's show is going to be like. It'll be the most unique Tim and Sid ever. Hopefully you join us for it. Timmy, good job again as always. Thanks to Kendrick Perkins, Michael Grange, Mark Shapiro. I'm Sid Sixero. He is Tim McCall. This is Tim and Sid live on TV and radio. As we leave you, do not forget. Wash your hands. So always wash, wash your hands. Wash your hands. And wash your hands. I don't know if we're going to run this tomorrow. Hands. Maybe we just end the show. Wash but for one more time, wash your hands. Your hands.